Welcome to Triple Threat Theater. Triple Threat Theater. Triple Threat Theater. However, I believe there is a more immediate threat. Thousands and thousands of feet of film consumed. Hours and hours of work expended by technicians. And once it's been erased and shredded, it can be done all over again. As all of you know, I've devoted much of my life to convincing the world that travel through film was not only possible, but necessary to survive. Yes, you guessed it. It's once again time for a new episode of the Triple Threat Theater Podcast. This is episode number 35, and my name is Ryan Miller. Hey there, I'm Joe Axberger. Hey! Hey, Mills. What's up, Dex? Time for another fun-filled movie review and episode. Time for your history lesson, you rotten bastard. <laughs> hmm, your alternate history lesson. Oh! <laughs> Theme for this episode is alternate history. Uh, I came up with the idea for this episode, and then you helped me iron out the details, because as is often the case, it, I thought of two movies where I was like, oh, those would be good paired together. But what would the third one be? Mm. And then you came to the rescue. Mm-hmm. So uh, the first two movies that I thought of to be paired together are Bubba Hotep and Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Indeed. With the basic concept of, uh, you know, taking real life people, celebrities or, you know, just people in the know. Historical like, figures. Personally. Yeah. Abe Lincoln, Elvis. John F. Kennedy, even in mm-hmm. Bubba Hotep, which we'll get to. <laughs> and then pitting them against, like, basically turning them into, like, folk heroes, kind of. Like, uh, like there's, like, a hidden dark past that we never knew about that right. obviously isn't real, hence alternate history. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I was just racking my brain trying to think of another movie, because I figured there had to be one that pit, like, a real-life person against, like, you know, fictional threats. And then you came to the table with uh, 2012's The Raven, starring, yeah. which is uh, the last days of Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah. So it's kind of like Edgar Allan Poe versus like a serial killer, kind of. Mm-hmm. It's almost like turning Edgar Allan Poe into like the lead of a CSI show or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, fit the bill. And it's funny, I had seen that movie before and it never even occurred to me as as uh, something that would mm. fit this theme, but uh, good call on that yeah. one. Yeah, had you seen all three of these beforehand? I had never seen Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Okay. And it just shows my devotion to this show and the concept behind our show. Mm-hmm. Go on. That I was the one who came up with the premise, and one of the original two movies that I thought of like for this episode's premise was Abe Lincoln Vampire Hunter. And, like, I was committed to the idea of doing it just because I thought it was a good idea for an episode. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, based on everything I'd seen, would have been perfectly fine never watching that movie. (laughs) Because I just remember thinking, like, the premise, the title, the trailer, the poster. I just remember thinking all of it looked like it was not my cup of tea. Mm -hmm. Uh, Did it turn out that that's the case? You'll find out shortly. But You saw that trailer, and you were like, I'm going to avoid that movie by all chances, unless I have a podcast. Yeah, that's basically the long and short of it. Yeah, years later. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, of the three movies we're watching, that's the only one you had seen before. Indeed. In the theater, <laughs> even. Oh. Mm. Yeah, it's hard to exactly put into words why 
I was opposed to seeing it, especially considering the company that it keeps in this episode of the podcast. Mm -hmm. I mean, The Raven, admittedly, is a movie that I'll tell you the first time I saw it, it was on DVD and it was just like it was a rental that happened to be in the house. And I was like, sure, I'll throw this on, even though I I remember thinking that movie was not going to be any good as well. And uh, like, I didn't love it that first time I saw it, but I was surprised at like, oh, it's actually decent and has a pretty good story and mm-hmm. okay performances. Right. Meanwhile, Bubba Hotep, like just as crazy, if not more crazy of a concept than Abraham Lincoln hunting vampires. And I was on board since like the word go, but potentially because I knew right from the beginning, you know, it stars Bruce Campbell and mm-hmm. it had like... It felt like it had like a weird culty kitsch vibe to it where the advertising and like the poster for Abe Lincoln Vampire Hunter just made it look so like dark and serious or something like it was taking itself too seriously. For sure. But I think that's what turned me off initially. Again, uh, what are my actual feelings on it? Oh, uh, that'll pro- that'll be the last film we discuss this episode. So you'll hear in about an hour. I I'm dying to find out. <laughs> So what was your knowledge or interest level in the other two films aside from Abe Lincoln that you hadn't seen? Um, I don't remember, like when this episode came up and I don't remember if it was like me Googling or if this movie just came to mind, probably from Googling. So I don't think, certainly was on my radar. I don't remember it coming out. I've actually Which read one, The Raven. Uh, the Raven, sorry. So the, yeah, The Raven was, you know, never really on my radar. Nothing. It, again, same thing. Having the show, it's like, am I ever gonna like sit down to watch The Raven, or am I just gonna like rewatch one of my favorite movies for the seventeenth <laughs> time? Like, yeah, that happens with me a lot. That being said, like, I actually, since I was like younger, I read a bunch of Edgar Allan Poe, so I kind of liked mm-hmm. all those stories. So it, it made sense for me to kind of check it out. Um, you know, he's got ties to Boston and uh, Baltimore, where you live near, so it's yep. like. You know, it's like he's an interesting historical figure to me for sure. Again, it was just like I didn't know like what the movie, the gist of the movie was. Besides, I know it wasn't like a biopic. So, yeah, again, it just works out well for having the show because it gives me an excuse to watch it. So, <laughs> how convenient. And again, like I think I probably had to ask you many, many times over the years, what was Bubba Hotep? <laughs> yeah, because it was a name I was familiar with, but. I don't even know if I could have had the particulars. I might have known it was something to do with Elvis, but. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely went through a phase when I was in high school when I, you know, I always liked horror movies and stuff when I was younger, you know, aliens being a classic from my youth and even like Ghostbusters being in that horror realm, which Mm -hmm. was like my go to as a kid and everything. And I feel like that really started to expand for me when I got into high school and I started, like, tracking down movies I had heard about. So, like, I remember watching all three of the Evil Dead movies for the first time when I was in high school and then becoming, like, a big Bruce Campbell fan. And it was around the time of, like, <clears throat> Suncoast Video and the McFarlane mm. Movie Maniacs Ash action figure and all the memorabilia and stuff like that kind of really getting big at the time. Mm-hmm. And that was the early 2000s. And this movie, Bubba Hotep, came out in, I think, 2002. So it was, like, right at that time when, like, I think I think the movie came out while Bruce Campbell was on his book tour for If Chins Could Kill, Confessions of a B-Movie Actor, right. which I bought and read and fucking loved. And, 
Like one of the short films I made with friends back in the day, I used the recipe that Bruce Campbell printed in that book of the blood that they used on Evil Dead and all this stuff. So look at you, Mills. I was like a huge Bruce Campbell fan at the time. Mm -hmm. So even though this movie like has a completely preposterous concept and seems really unusual, that's surely where my end to it was, Mm -hmm. was Bruce, but... Makes sense. I see it. Uh, well, speaking of Bubba Hotep, when it, that's our first one. You want to just dive in? Uh, you're damn right I do. <laughs> All right. From 2002, Bubba Hotep. How does an ancient Egyptian wind up in an East Texas rest home, and why is he writing on the shed house walls, ma'am? Well, he went in to take a crap, got bored, started writing on the walls. He probably wrote on pyramid walls centuries ago. Come on, man. Like, what would he crap? I mean, it's not like he'd eat. Well, he eats souls. So I assumed that he would crap soul residue. Uh, By that, I would mean that if you die from his mouth, you don't go to the other side where the souls go. He digests souls until they don't exist anymore. And you're just so much toilet water decoration. Uh, And speaking of toilets... This is how I figure that whole thing out. He's just like anybody else when it comes to taking a dump. He wants a nice, clean place with a flush. They didn't have that in this time. This was directed by Don Coscarelli. Does that name ring a bell? It does. Not even just because it's a phenomenal name by itself. (laughs) That's a name you don't forget. Don Coscarelli. (laughs) I just know, I know him as like... I think just like a B-movie writer is more how I knew him. Hmm. I just knew that name because reading, I was like, oh, I've never seen the Phantasm movies. So I know that's like a a big thing for him. Mm -hmm. That maybe like is his main claim to fame. I would say so. Yeah. But I think I just, for whatever reason, not necessarily even knew what he wrote. I just knew it was in my head that he was a writer. Hmm. Uh, That was really it for me. I mean, do you know if he's ever written... Other stuff that he, like, didn't direct? Because I only, I really know him because of his, he doesn't even have, like, a huge filmography, but. No, I don't even think it was that. I think for whatever reason, I was just, I because I know he did, like, Beastmaster, and um, he did one of the Masters of Horror. Mm-hmm. Um, but for just, like, beforehand, I was just, it's always, I thought he was, like, more of a prolific writer and had directed a few things. So I didn't know it was like really just he's a writer director and that was really kind of it. Yeah, I don't know much about him as a writer, so I don't know if he's written more stuff. But pretty much, yeah, like he's the he's the phantasm guy. He yeah. directed the first Beastmaster. I mean, he's got he, fifteen writing credits and eleven director. So uh, okay, I mean, not really. He did Bubba Hotep more recently, and John dies at the end, which. Uh, mm-hmm. I have also seen, and is a very weird movie, kind of in the realm of Bubba Hotep, but uh, I wasn't the biggest fan. I like the concepts behind that one more than the actual execution. Okay. Let me jot jot that down. (laughs) So, yeah, Bubba Hotep, uh, your basic premise is... (laughs) Good luck. (laughs) Your basic premise is uh, Elvis is now an old man. Uh, and he's in an old folks home and no one believes that he's Elvis. I won't give the whole backstory as to why, just because it's a little complicated and convoluted, but, and so a mummy 
that uh, go on <laughs> that was stolen from a museum, and then the car he was in crashed. So now he's like stranded in like a little lake bed uh, next to an, this old folks' home. Uh, this mummy is a soul sucker, and so he wants to suck the souls out of people. And uh, people who won't put up a big fight when you're sucking their soul out are the elderly. So he basically is uh, preying on the old people at this old folks' home. And the only people who realize it are Elvis. And? Who is an old man with a growth on his penis, Mm -hmm. which he mentions many times. And Ozzie Davis, who plays... An elderly man who may or may not be John F. Kennedy, (laughs) even though John F. Kennedy was supposedly assassinated and was not a black man, which Ozzie Davis is. Mm -hmm. And so these two old kooks decide they're going to uh, fight this mummy and uh, stop it from preying upon the elderly people at the old folks home. Mm -hmm. And that is your (laughs) your basic premise for... Bubba Hotep. That is Bubba Hotep in a nutshell. Did you, so you knew like nothing about this movie? No. (laughs) I wish I could have just like sat on the other side of a piece of one-way glass (laughs) and watched your facial expression as the the plot and the premise uh for this movie was rolled out in front of your eyes. At some point in the like past few weeks, I read something just so I, I knew it was something to do with a mummy and Elvis. That's really all I knew going into watching it. <laughs> Milzy, is this the weirdest movie we've watched yet? Uh, I don't know if I'd say that. Maybe. maybe. It's getting to the point now where there's like too many movies we've reviewed to remember, but um, just on a like basic ridiculous concept level, maybe. Yeah. But, uh... The only thing that immediately jumps to mind is uh, Hell Comes to Frogtown, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty ridiculous as well. But this probably beats that, I think. And not that's <laughs> not a uh, condemnation of this movie at all, because, you know, I, I enjoyed myself, Mills. I gotta be honest. Well, like Bubba Hotep, or like uh, Hell Comes to Frogtown, Bubba Hotep is tongue-in-cheek and is aware of its ridiculousness. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think, in this humble idiot's opinion, that this movie lives or dies on the, on Elvis and his portrayal and i think it's excellent yeah i think he's so good as elvis um it's packed to the brim with like i wasn't gonna start i was gonna start to write them down i was like there's too many all of like the one-liners and the things he says <laughs> as elvis were hilarious mm-hmm. he's got some good one-liners oh in this. man it's so i mean just he's keeps going on and on about the the shit house and the mummy writing messages on the side of the urinal or whatever it's just like, <laughs> it's so crazy but like he's so good, he looks looks great as Elvis, and just his voice and the stuff he says, I was just I was loving it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of people out there who cite this as you know Bruce Campbell's best performance, mm-hmm. and I'm kind of inclined to agree. I mean, you know, he's fun as like Ash in the Evil Dead movies, and he's like zany and off the wall, and this movie is ridiculous as well. And I mean, he's playing. Elvis in an old folks home fighting a mummy that sucks the souls out of old people's assholes. Right. Uh, But I mean, he plays it sometimes very melancholy and Mm -hmm. it's like sad at times, man, that one line really hit me this time around when uh, 
he's like laying in his in his uh his bed and uh his roommate uh has died recently and uh the daughter who never came to visit him while he was there is there like collecting all of his stuff and then the nurse comes in mm-hmm. and they're like joking about Elvis or something and he he curses at them like trying to be angry and they both laugh and he has he makes a, a comment about like uh when you're old you can't even like curse at people without them finding it sad or funny or something mm. like that and mm-hmm. i don't know there's a couple parts in the movie where it uh i don't know it lays on the uh the the weight I mean, of the situation that's a little actually bit totally accurate cuz they don't they don't like mince words when it comes to like what can happen to people when they go to old folks homes yeah it's pretty sad and depressing yeah and they admittedly. don't like hold back and like making like honest and true statements about that which mm-hmm. you know it hit me a couple times i'm just like man like again it's like you see it in a movie i mean i've had like my you know my grandmother that when she passed, she had been in one of those kind of places for a couple of years. And, mm-hmm. you know, everything that comes with that is tough. And then just a movie like this to say, like, Bubba Hotep, man, re- really make you think about retiring. <laughs> like, it does, yeah, though. Yeah, about the way we treat our elderly. and Big time. But, God, something I noticed this time. I've seen this movie, like, two or three times before. Something I really noticed this time is just the... um decoration of the it wasn't a set it was an actual location mm-hmm. like a disused i think old folks home yeah. or, or some kind of building or veterans like hospital or something i think right but just like the attention to detail of like the stains on the walls and stuff mm-hmm. and how the place like they show a guy coming in and like mopping up all the time in these like uh kind of montage scenes but just like just the spots on the walls and like there's like in the hallways there's like this beam running down the side of the wall and like above and under it it's just like brown stained and if you really look like they put a lot of attention to detail into just making this like a sad miserable place to be like this is a place people go and die and sometimes they never see their family like that daughter could she she said this is the second day i've been here first time was when i checked them in it's like dude that's a drag like and he had been there for like four or five years, mm-hmm. and Elvis is like, well, you could have come and visited. And she was like, I was busy. Right. Which is everyone's excuse. And then she's like, she's going to throw away his purple heart and all these old photos and stuff. And it, it is sad. It really yeah. is. But And of all the movies to like make you think, like this certainly does. This presents it in such a way that you know it adds like depth to those bits, which even mm-hmm. sounds crazy to say right now, but it really does. Yeah, it's weird. It's like one minute it kind of makes you think, and then the next minute you're laughing at Mm-hmm. Bruce Campbell talking about the growth on his penis. Yeah, which, <laughs> which I mean, the first his first opening line, I think he mentions that. And I, I gotta say too, like I love the just the simple idea of mummy don't want to chase no one, so he just stays at this old folks home because it's easy to get souls. Like that's so like yeah, it's so like a weirdly and perfect, simple yet kind of brilliant premise. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, the whole backstory with Elvis and, like, whether he actually is Elvis, like, the story he tells, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It Like, it's not necessarily believable, but it's at least plausible. And Millsy, is he I, Elvis? Uh, I Just don't like know. Childs is the thing. Is he really Elvis? <laughs> uh, both are a complete mystery. Neither can be <laughs> defined for sure. Is Childs the thing? Is yeah. Elvis actually Elvis? Or is he Sebastian Half? The world may never know, my friend. Oh, boy. Indeed. Is Ozzie Davis actually John F. Kennedy? 
who they yeah. they filled the uh, hole in his head from the bullet wound with a bag of sand and then <laughs> dyed him black and put him in an old folks home. Imagine if they actually both ended up there. If they were both true and they both just happened to end up at the same home in Texas. Mm-hmm. Man. Well, I can tell you this uh, This movie is based on a novella by uh, Joe R. Lansdale. Mm-hmm. And apparently in the novella, <clears throat> there was actually a third character that was kind of like a an old person who believed they were somebody else. Uh, there's a character in the novella who is a, a elderly woman who believes that she is a sex-changed John Dillinger. Oh, okay. That they chose not to include in the movie. Oh. Was Kimo Sabe in the uh, novella? That I don't know. For all I know, Kimo Sabe took the place of mm-hmm. the John Dillinger character, but I, I, I can't say for sure. That's just a little little anecdote that I read, a little difference between the story and the movie. Can I throw out a random casting bit about this movie? Uh-huh. So recently, I rewatched Saving Private Ryan. Uh-huh. Just for fun, because it's a great movie. I was surprised to see this too. I did not recognize this person. <laughs> well, watching Saving Private Ryan, and I'm, you know, I've seen it plenty of times. So you know, it, it opens with old man uh, Matt Damon, to which I'm like, I mean, it does look like Matt Damon. I was like, what did they do here? And I just happened to look it up, and I was like, oh, it's this random guy. Random guy is Elvis's roommate in Bubba Hotep, which I was getting ready to watch, and I was like, man, <laughs> I was like, I was not expecting any connection like that. That's for sure. Yeah, I just rewatched Saving Private Ryan a couple months ago. So, like, I had that guy's face fresh in my mind. And mm-hmm. even when I read that, like, picturing the old man in the bed, it, it didn't register as being him. But Yeah, pretty wild. Uh, the other, there's not a big cast in this movie. There's only, like, maybe seven actual people in the film. Yeah. But uh, uh, the other one that I recognized immediately is um, one of the two... Uh, hearse drivers who come and like pick up the the old people that die at the old folks home mm-hmm. is Dr. Arst from Lost who blows himself up with some dynamite in a classic oh. scene from season one. Huh. How about that? I didn't I didn't picture that one. Yeah. Nice. He's just one of those guys ever since Lost like he's a he's like a that guy actor and when mm-hmm. I see him in something now I always just imagine him getting blown up by dynamite. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Yeah, so uh Overall thoughts on end of the film? Um, the end is good. I mean, it's kind of one of those things. Once once you get to the end, to the climax, the climactic battle, it's just like so ludicrous. But it <laughs> but it fits. Yeah. And you're like almost expecting it to be as crazy as it is. Mm-hmm. Again, at that point, I'm just like enjoying Bruce Campbell as Elvis so much that I just like, I want to keep seeing him anyways. And then... <laughs> They just deliver it as being ludicrous. And, you know, the mummy looks nuts. <laughs> you know, he's dressed like a cowboy for some reason. Yeah, they never fully explain why the mummy's dressed like that. I'm guessing it's the clothes of the people who were in the car, that, like driving the vehicle that crashed when he uh, mm-hmm. escaped. Right. I don't know. He's wearing like a cowboy hat and like, it looks like part of like a collared shirt with flames on it. And oh, yeah. I think he has cowboy sure. boots. He's got the boots and that torn up shirt. Definitely. Yeah. You know, it's like. Watching that climax and it happens and, you know, it's got a great, the great closing line from Bruce Campbell too, which I thought was great. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I mean, you'll agree. Like we have friends that will agree. I don't know if most movie going public does, but it's like, we are so much better off when we have ridiculous movies like this. Oh know? yeah. Just cause it's such a crazy bonkers idea 
that you have to have enough people to sign off on being a part of it that to actually be made. It's just like, (laughs) you can't help but smile at that. Yeah, this is one where uh, Don Coscarelli had read the story and really liked it and wanted to make a movie. And then uh, I think it took him casting Bruce Campbell in the lead to get somebody to give him money. And then the film Mm -hmm. only cost a million dollars to make. And then I was reading that uh, K&B Effects, who I think are the ones who do the Walking Dead TV show, if Mm -hmm. I'm not mistaken. Mm Mm-hmm. They're like one of the big like practical effects and makeup houses uh, that are still around operating. Mm-hmm. They were, because Don Coscarelli is like a horror guy and he's been in the industry for decades. When he came to them and asked if they would work on the movie, he essentially said like, I would love to have you guys be a part of this, but uh, I really don't have any money in the mm-hmm. budget for special effects. And the guys at KMB were all friends with him. So they were like, you know what? We'll just do it for scale or whatever because, or, or like oh, for, for, for it cost. might have even been, it might have even been, yeah, it was for the like the cost of the materials. That's they cool. basically said like, you know, we've known you forever. You're a good guy. We'll help you out with this, and so they paid for like the materials they needed, and then just oh, you know that's, did that's the awesome work for too. free. It's another heartwarming story to come out of Bubba Hotep. Yeah, because I mean the special effects in this aren't anything mind blowing for the most part. There's good makeup throughout, but then like. The little uh, the little beetle things like look pretty ridiculous sometimes, yeah. but it's like, you know, without even the level of effects that they did have, mm-hmm. the movie would have been even harder to swallow. Yeah, and I mean, I've got no problem saying like I'll take what what's there over like two thousand and two computer effects CG any yeah. day. You know. Yeah, no, I'm with you. So I'm just, it, and it just fits once you know like this ridiculous movie like. You kind of want the weirdo murder scarab to look half shitty <laughs> with a face. So yeah, it I, it all it all gels like the kind of story it is and mm-hmm. the the level of film that it is and the people yeah. in it. Um, I think all things considered, Baba Hotep looks pretty good too. Yeah, and they don't show him a ton, so that surely yeah. helps. Smartly, yeah, for sure. I mean, the big thing for me is the Elvis old man makeup. Yeah, because you figure like Bruce Campbell. Still looks good for his age, but he's like 20 years older now than he was when he made this movie. And mm-hmm. they made him look like a convincingly old man. Yeah. I'm curious, like, how much, like, what parts of it, you know, the, the hair, but that'd be one I just, like, would love to see a side by side of him at the time versus mm-hmm. the makeup just to see. Yeah. It did look good. I mean, it looks good. I was even surprised when I looked it up and saw that uh, this movie is as old as it is because it doesn't feel that old to me. Mm. But. To watch it, it definitely has that look of like the early 2000s. Oh, yeah. But yeah, yeah. But in a loving way, Mills. Yeah, so I'm not like the biggest Don Coscarelli fan in the world. I've, I have I remember at one point I was like, oh, the Phantasm. That's one of those like horror franchises I've never really watched. I'll marathon them all. And then I watched the first one and that quickly put to bed the idea of marathoning all of them. Because <laughs> I know that the, that movie and that franchise has like a lot of fans. I did not really get or like the first one all that much it just seemed like a cobbled together like mix of ideas and nothing ever came together and worked for me uh maybe i'll go back at some point but like that's his big kind of claim to fame and then like john dies at the end i wasn't the biggest fan of so like i'm not a huge don coscarelli fan but i really do like this movie and i have since i first saw it so yeah i've never uh, seen those ones but i certainly like this movie yeah I'll, i'll give him that 
So I, I think it's probably best if they never get around to doing this. But uh, for years now, uh, Coscarelli and a couple of other people have been trying to get a prequel made. They want it to because like at the end of the movie, at the end of the credits, I think it's yes. it has like a yeah. joke teaser for like, you know, Bubba Hotep will return and mm-hmm. some she, like vampire she, women she or, vampires something. or something. Yeah. So there was enough interest that uh, they decided they wanted to make a prequel, which would be about Elvis, like making a a movie, like an unreleased film from like the 1950s or something. So it would be like a period piece. And I don't know if he like fights more monsters or something that wasn't specified. But I guess at some point, Bruce Campbell dropped out just because of like differences of opinions. Mm-hmm. But uh Ever since it was first announced that they were trying to get it made, Paul Giamatti has been on board as uh, playing Elvis's manager, who would be a big part in the movie, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then at some point, uh, apparently even Ron Perlman expressed interest in taking over the role of Elvis, which I feel like Ron Perlman looks way older than Bruce Campbell. So <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that would be a good idea, especially uh, as a prequel. That would definitely be one where I'd just be like, let Bubba Hotep just live as that once and done kind of wild thing in movie history yeah yeah you know all yeah, these like I'm, I'm sequels that come out 15 16 years later it's just eh, i don't mm-hmm. know if we need more below that uh this movie it had a budget of about a million dollars and uh based on what i could find it only did like 1.2 million in the box office so mm. i'm sure no studios are like chomping at the bit to make another one and it's just like based on fan outcry but it did have a uh, shout factory release right yeah, yeah, this is out on Shout Factory. That's the version I have. Mm-hmm. This is a movie that, like, it's not like it got, like, a real theatrical release. There were only, like, a couple prints of it, and they, like, toured it around. And I think Bruce Campbell showed it, like, did screenings while he was on that book tour that I mentioned. Oh, that's so cool. uh It's not like it ever had, like, a real theatrical right. release to yeah. make its money back. Not mm-hmm. that... I mean, I don't know if the general audiences would go out of their way for this thing, but uh, you're right. It is is one of those movies I'm just kind of glad that it exists. Mm -hmm. Happy to live in a world where there's Bubba Hotep, the movie. I concur. Cool. Well, I think we've about covered it. Yeah. Uh, Moving on, our second film of the evening. Uh, The Raven and Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter both came out in 2012, but The Raven came out like two months earlier. So next up we have The Raven from 2012. What's going on? I'm Detective Fields. Please sit down, Mr. Poe. Yes, the infamous Detective Fields. Am I under arrest? No, not as yet. Then I'd rather stand. It makes it easier to leave. The night before last, a young girl and her mother were found murdered. The daughter's body was lodged in a chimney. The mother's head was nearly severed with a straight razor. Does any of this sound familiar to you, Mr. Poe? you're talking about my story work of fiction i'm afraid i'm not your boy john cusack yep john cusack apparently joaquin phoenix and ewan mcgregor were both circling the project before john cusack got it okay and uh likewise jeremy renner was cast as the luke evans uh police inspector character Mm-hmm. And then dropped out of the project to go do uh, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Mm-hmm. So interesting. That's how we ended up with uh, Luke Evans. Okay, Luke Evans is a worker. 
Yeah. I mean, I like him in general. I do. He shows up in a lot of movies, too. Mm -hmm. He's in the Hobbit movies. He was the villain in one of the Fast and the Furious movies. Mm -hmm. He was Dracula Dracula. in that average Dracula Untold movie. (laughs) Uh, He was, what's his name? Gaston Gaston. in the live action Beauty and the Beast. I want to say he's been a, a villain a couple times, but I can't think offhand exactly what those were, but. Well, Fast and the Furious, he was the villain in one of yeah, those. Yeah, that one for sure. But yeah, I know. He's good. Uh, Milsey, yeah. what do you think of this movie? Well, like I said earlier, the first time I saw it, I just kind of watched it because it was there. Like, not something I was excited about. Had very low expectations. And then was surprised that it was better than I was anticipating. Like, mm-hmm. it does have a very formulaic, like, Hollywood thriller vibe to it, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, the period setting of it is uh, pretty interesting and adds something to it. And it is, you know, it's, again, it's very cookie cutter, like modern day thriller, but it does have some clever moments and neat ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got a pretty good cast. I mean, John Cusack, uh, Brendan Gleeson, he's a really good character yeah, actor I like to see good. in this kind of stuff. Yep. Alice Eve, his yep. daughter, she's in there. Um, it's like... It's a movie that I don't look back on after the fact and think like, yeah, that was great. I would recommend that to people. But like while you're watching it, I think it is a fittingly enjoyable little pot boiler. Yeah, that's good. It feels it doesn't feel like overly pretentious. Like I feel like it could mm-hmm. like this kind of movie. You know, it, it, it like moves at a good clip. I actually like I like John Cusack anyway, but I like how he played Edgar Allan Poe. You know, it was kind of, she's like, got that little, like, crazy, craziness in his eye. Um, again, being, like, familiar with Edgar Allan Poe, but not knowing, like, what he was like as a person. So, mm-hmm. all I'm going on is this movie. I find it hard to believe, not that I think they were necessarily going for 100% realism here, but I find it hard to believe that this was any kind of an accurate portrayal of what Edgar, Edgar Allan Poe was like. You know, like, I guess he, you know, it's known that he was a drinker and potentially used drugs, but... Uh, it's like they almost took it to the extreme, like the closest comparison I could make it probably because it's also a period piece is it feels like they kind of did to Edgar Allan Poe, what Guy Ritchie did to Sherlock Holmes, where it's like classic interpretations of Sherlock Holmes is a very like buttoned up, like matter of fact, intellectual. Mm -hmm. And then when they made Sherlock Holmes into like an action star, he's like, you know, a pugilist and he's, you know, kind of crazy Robert Downey Jr., yeah. And it doesn't, it, this isn't to that extent. No, I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't have said that. But they definitely turned Edgar Allan Poe into like a caricature, I feel, in this. Yeah. I mean, again, it's like I don't ha- have anything to base it against. He doesn't do like, any, you know, there's no Edgar Allan Poe kung fu in this or anything, which is good, you know, because <laughs> unfortunately, having seen those Sherlock Holmes movies, I was like, oh, I was like, how far does this go? You know what I mean? Like, what's. <laughs> Because the, the overall story I wasn't familiar with. I think I just knew he's like he's, he's wrapped up in some kind of serial killer business. Not until watching the movie that I didn't know it was um, the serial killer was using his stories as basis for murder. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that, that makes sense as a plot. You know, that works. Yeah. Kind of one of those things. It's like, I don't know if I've, I was kind of felt unfulfilled with the ending. Yeah, the ending's probably my least favorite part, which... Yeah, I, I couldn't tell you what I was expecting, and I definitely, you know, I'm glad they weren't like, uh, you know, uh, fist fighting on a scaffolding at the clock tower type of deal. <laughs> but, 
Yeah. What plays out on screen is kind of like ho-hum. Well, like the whole thing is Edgar Allan Poe, it, it, unlike a character like Sherlock Holmes, like he's not known as a d- detective or anything. Right. But the villain is already playing into Poe's strengths by like using his stories and like basing all of his murders around the kind of like dark subject matter that Poe would, you know, write about. And, you know, Edgar Allan Poe is, is especially in the movie, uh, despite the fact that he's like a drunk or whatever, they kind of show him as an intellectual. So you kind of want Poe to like earn the, his like quote unquote victory at the end a little more. Yeah. But she does not. I don't think he yeah. does. Right. I mean, I mean, his whole thing is he can't think he can't like outsmart the villain. Cause like the whole thing is the villain wants Poe to like write another great story. And so he's committing these crimes and then saying, like, I will kill somebody else if Edgar Allan Poe doesn't do a fictionalized version of the crime that I just committed and release it in the next day's newspaper. So he's, like, forcing him to use his creativity to, like, turn these real crimes into a story. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, you know, when it comes time for Poe to write the ending, he can't come up with a way to beat the villain without killing himself so it's like he like sacrifices himself rather than having the like the intellect and the writing prowess to come up with a better ending or something so it does feel like kind of a failure at the same time i don't know yeah i mean it is ultimately but i mean that's all in service of the fact that like we know to a degree how edgar Allan poe died which was, you know, he was found kind of mumbling and out of his mind a little bit on a park bench and died a couple days later, rambling in a hospital bed. Nobody knows how or, or why. Right. And so and name dropping this Reynolds guy. Yeah. And just saying the name Reynolds a bunch of times. And so they want to tie this into his real death. So it's like, you know, the fact that Edgar Allan Poe died that way and they wanted to tie it into his real death meant that he had to win but lose i guess so it's like a semi unsatisfying ending just to tie into reality mm-hmm. even though the majority of this probably doesn't tie into reality at all well sure sure but just for for the basis of the story in the movie that is correct i mean i don't i don't mind them at all like tying into the actually the way he died i mean that's cool i mean that's that's yeah, kind of like I a no brainer cool to have them do that but it's kind it of does a, just kind of leave you i don't know with a ho hum ending though yeah. Like, I don't know if they could have done it better, but. I'd like to think they could. I don't know, you know, if we sat down and thought about it. But, I, again, I don't. I didn't want to see an action scene. I didn't want to see a, a wagon chase or anything. But more than him, <laughs> just like, you know. I want to see your Ed Girl and Poe movie. I like all these I ideas. Mean, I mean, yeah. Well, I, I didn't have to tell the line. Clock that, tower battles. <laughs> well, that just turns into Sherlock Holmes, you know. <laughs> I'm also disappointed by who the villain turns out to be. Because it's a character that, like, what does he have in the movie up until the the end when it's revealed that it's him? Like Two eight, scenes. Eight minutes of, yeah. of footage in the movie, mm-hmm. if that. Most of it is just, like, a background character. And it's like, yeah, logically I can understand how this would be a character who was invested in Edgar Allan Poe. But right. I don't know. That's just a little disappointing that it's like you get the reveal at the end and, oh, it's the... The guy who kind of, you know, talks to Edgar Allan Poe every now and then at the newspaper. Like, <laughs> right, he's right. not. Yeah. 
I don't know. It's just it's it's not that cool of a reveal. And since he's not a big character throughout the movie and he's mm-hmm. not like, you know, uh, a well-known or interesting actor, it's just like kind of weird looking dude acting smarmy for one scene. And Right. Yeah, it's just that between the just the ending and him throughout. It's not like the strongest of writing, I feel like. like and it even has that button at the end where uh, Luke Evans's detective mm. character like it, it reminds me of the end of Dexter season two. Were you a Dexter watcher when it was on? Yes, indeed. Something that always bugged me about that show, even when I was a fan of it while it was coming out, at least the first couple of seasons, is how every season always wrapped up in a nice little bow at the end, and oh, they never totally. like left any villains hanging to potentially come back later or whatever. Mm-hmm. And at the end, the second season all focused on, I, I don't remember her name, but it was a female villain. And at the end of the second season, she like disappears. And it's like, oh, okay, maybe they'll leave her to like be a threat, like something looming over Dexter that could come back in a later season or something. But no, like one of the final scenes of that second season, they have Dexter who's like, you know, Miami police guy with like a family, just like dip to Paris for a little while to track Mm. this woman down and kill her. Yes. And the the ending of this movie kind of has that feeling like they insinuate that this killer has like, he's outsmarted one of the greatest writers of our time. And then he name drops Jules Verne and he's like, Oh, there's this writer in like Mm -hmm. France or whatever. I, I might go see him. And it's like, that's enough of like a cool little ending with that character. Like it just feels unnecessary to have Luke Evans show up in a carriage and like shoot him. Yeah. It's like, why not just have, you know, Poe be poisoned, but kill this guy somehow. At least he gets that. But, or yeah. the villain just gets away. I mean, he did technically, yeah, in a manner yeah. of speaking, best Poe. Yeah. Even if he just got, like, not that I have no idea if the timeline matches up at all, but for whatever reason, I was like, when they go to show London, I was like, are they start, are they going to say he's like uh, Jack the Ripper or something? I was like, is this mm. what's about to happen here? And then I was like, oh, that could I, be cool. I think that timing is pretty off. I think Jack the Ripper yeah, was no significantly before that. But I'll just try and make it like, you know, it's kind of just like you said. He's going to go kill a bunch of people across the pond. And then he dies, cut the black or whatever it was. So, yeah, you know, over now, I will say like didn't hate the movie. All like the, the, the kills and everything leading up to that were pretty good. I like John Cusack throughout. How um, about that pendulum kill? Like, I forgot how bloody that man, was. That was that was a very intricate way to kill someone. That's for yeah, sure. Well, I mean, it's based on the pit and the pendulum, yeah. which is an Edgar Allan Poe story. Sure. But like, I mean, when you actually see it, you're just like, oh, boy. The thing that surprised me is this seems like, you know, John Cusack vehicle. It seems like it's kind of a mainstream thriller mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. And then, God, they really showed that yeah. fucking pendulum slicing and dicing that dude and just I mean, blood yeah. spraying everywhere. Nine out of ten movies just cut away and they don't show you any of that. And they, yeah. this one went back for seconds. So, yeah, like I would have expected from a movie like this for like it to show the first little slice when it just like nicks his skin mm-hmm. and then like cut to his face and like blood coming out of his mouth as he's screaming or something as right. you hear it swinging. But yeah, they, they show this guy get cut in half. Yeah. Pretty spectacularly. Yeah. Well, yeah. And they get stuck. Like once it gets all the way through, it gets stuck in the table. Oh, so. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of brutal. I mean, yeah, yeah, but there's some, there a couple little, uh, bloody bits. They don't hold back. There's some slit wrists and throats. Yeah. 
throughout. I kind of like the there's a couple bits of like the chase before, of the killer before you knew who he was, like in the uh, like at, playhouse or whatever the theater. Yeah. Well, that one, and at the church where he like jumps down and right gets that caught like that guy. I was like, I was enjoying that. I was like, I like this. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked a lot of the locations, like the locales. Everything looked good. It wasn't over the top, which. You know, we'll get into with Abraham Lincoln, but coming out <laughs> in the same year, vastly different ways of handling uh, backgrounds and you know setups and just a yeah, little bit of everything. So this one takes place in Baltimore, but it's filmed I forget overseas. I think yeah, like, I, re- I read where it was filmed. It was like two different locations in like other countries, that, like, like Hungary or something. Or, yeah, yeah. Uh, where I guess they had locations that looked kind of period accurate for uh-huh. the stuff that we don't have in Baltimore anymore. But and no real like questionable CGI or anything that I can think of offhand that looked yeah. that looked offensive. You know, looks pretty is... good. It's like dark and moody and foggy all the time. Mm-hmm. There are things I question. Like, is it like known that Edgar Allan Poe had a pet raccoon? Like, where did that oh, come yeah. from? That was a random bit. Yeah. Like, it has to be based in some sort of gotta reality, be. right? It's Otherwise, why be. the fuck would they put yeah. that in there? Because it's too weird of a thing to just throw in there. So yeah. it's got to be f- fan of Trash Pandas or whatever. <laughs> Two years before uh, Rocket Raccoon made mm-hmm. his big screen yeah. debut, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, all in all, I have the same feeling this time around. Like, I went back and I read my Letterboxd review from the first time I watched The Raven, and my sentiment was, you know, it's not great, but it's better than I thought it would be. But then in the ensuing years, like I feel like it's it dropped a few pegs in my mind. Mm. And so once again, like, you know, we're about to do this episode and I was thinking to myself like, wow, The Raven is not a movie I ever thought I'd watch again. Mm-hmm. And then rewatching it, you know, again, it's not amazing, but I enjoyed it again. The experience of watching it. Yeah. Yeah. It was surprising. Because I was like, you just, you know, I mean, the, these kind of movies from that time period could go south quickly for all the reasons we've already covered. So yeah. it kind of, it kept its like composure, I guess you could say. Yeah. For the most part, it um, plays it relatively straight and it uh, doesn't betray its own tone and it's mm-hmm. relatively serious, even though it's some kind of over the top ideas. And Yeah. But like, yeah, tonally, it certainly works. Like they handled mm-hmm. that well. Yeah, it's a good like middle of the road thriller movie, like slightly above yeah. average, I would say. Yeah, I mean it's not it's not like uh, overboard or like breaking any new ground with like procedurals or like detective work, you know? Because it's really it it really is like kind of every time they almost a few times they almost get the killer, like they kind of figured out enough. Then again, it's like the softball in the end, but mm-hmm. it's certainly not like a detective story yeah it doesn't have to be either of course but just you know and i would say that the period aspect of it even more so than it being edgar Allan poe like adds something to it because you don't see movies that are set in this time period every day and Mm -hmm. especially not like pseudo actiony thriller like mystery films so right right i dig that about it Mm mm-hmm I, and, you know, like John Cusack, I'm not the biggest fan in the world. I do question if somebody else wouldn't have potentially been better in the role. Uh, because I'm a fan, I, of course, couldn't stop thinking the whole time that, like, it might have been cool to see Jeffrey Combs in the role. Uh, film probably doesn't get produced 
if he were in it because <laughs> right, right. John Cusack brings some name value. But like, I know that Jeffrey Combs has gotten rave reviews because he does a one man show as Edgar Allan Poe. Oh, no way. Has done it for years. And like, I'm actually kind of pissed at myself. I didn't know this was happening until like the day before it happened. But mm-hmm. somewhere in Virginia, a couple of years ago, there's like a small museum art space that was doing like a like an Edgar Allan Poe exhibit and uh there's two things that make me just hate myself for not finding out about it sooner and going to it mm-hmm. one they had Jeffrey Combs there to do one of his one man show Edgar Allan Poe performances which is apparently amazing from everything i hear like apparently he's just great as the role and two on display, they had some of the comic pages of some of the many Edgar Allan Poe adaptations that Richard oh. Corbin has done. Oh, boy. And, like, that's a one-two punch because I fucking love the reanimator and I fucking love Richard Corbin. Oh, and man. You must have been so mad. I literally heard about it, like, a day or two beforehand and, like, couldn't go because I was working or something. And Ugh. I was so pissed. But well, That's a drag. But, yeah, I, like, I don't know. John Cusack, he's fine. I feel like they probably could have gotten someone better to play the role. And this it's probably like, you know, aiming for the stars. But since Jeffrey Combs is like acclaimed for, you know, putting in an Edgar Allan Poe performance, it would have been neat to see someone like him play the character. But uh, yeah, I would say not many people are going to pull that name out as an alternate casting, but it sounds <laughs> yeah. cool, you know. I, yeah, and I only say it not just because I'm a fan, but because, like I say, he oh, yeah, he yeah. has this one-man show that he's apparently done for years right. on and off and right. has gotten, like, rave reviews. Yeah. I mean, this does feel like a movie where, like, execs would be like, uh, we need Tom Cruise for Poe. or Yeah, they know. needed a name for this thing. Yeah. And, like, I feel like John Cusack is kind of, like, the bottom of the list of, like, people that they would accept to, like, carry a movie like this. Because he's sure. not, like... He's he's not in the Tom Cruise league, you know, no, as far as yeah. like popularity I mean, and name recognition. I mean, he's got some great '90s hits, Mills. But yeah, I mean, he's don't. in a lot of stuff for sure. Yeah. But no, I know what you mean. Cause I, yeah, like what was 2012? Um, John Cusack was in what? Well, 2012, I think, was a few years earlier. Was he in 2012? He was. Wasn't that him? Yeah. <laughs> that was 2009. So yeah, he was doing. Yeah, it's like. You know, you've got your, like, you know, recognizable the world over superstars like Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise and Ben Affleck and Matt Damon and these guys. Mm -hmm. And if you want to call them, like, the A-listers, then I would say that John Cusack is, like, an A-minus because, like, he's a big name, but he's not on their level. Right. I'm with you on that. Yeah. And then poor Jeffrey Combs is probably, like, a Mm. (laughs) 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 C-plus. But I give him an A for effort. There you go. I like it. I would like to see that. I would I would back that. Yeah. I mean, I, I to this day I still want to see him do that one man show. Like it's not like a regular thing that's off Broadway or something, but um every now and then I'll hear about like, oh, there's like some convention and he's doing a performance there and of course I'm never at the convention that he happens to be doing it at. Millsy, we gotta make that happen. I mean, I wanna go see it now too, so <laughs> we'll talk off the air, but All right. Yeah, you, know, you never know. Done. I'll have my people talk to your people. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> All right, uh, shall we move on to our third and final film? Indeed. Also released in 2012, we have Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. Mm-hmm. History 
prefers legends to men. It prefers nobility to brutality. Soaring speeches to quiet deeds. History remembers the battle and forgets the blood. Whatever history remembers of me, if it remembers anything at all, it shall only be a fraction of the truth. For whatever else I am, a husband, a lawyer, a president, I shall always think of myself as a man who struggled against darkness. So why don't you tell me, because you had seen this before, like what were your thoughts the first time and what were your thoughts now seeing it again? Well, I'd say I think going into seeing it in the theater, it was what I expected, which was just a, what's the best way to probably put it, like a overproduced, far too serious take on something that could potentially be fun. It's almost like, to me, I don't think this movie's horrible. There's parts to enjoy, but overall it feels like joyless to me. Mm-hmm. Actually, the best thing I probably say, it's made in the, it was made in the wrong decade. <laughs> yeah. Because if this like had a little money and came out in like the 80s or 90s, it would be a far different movie. Because it wouldn't have all that fucking CG. Yeah. Especially now after seeing The Raven which came out in the same year and then seeing like watching a movie like this where it's a, the amount of effort that has to go in. Cause not even like the CG of the locations looks bad. I mean, it looks fake, but it doesn't look horrible, but it's just so unnecessary. But then you have things like the CG 7,000 horse strong horse stampede scene. <laughs> Yes. Where they're like jumping from horse to horse yeah. and riding horses like right. motorcycles and doing yeah. fucking tricks on them and shit. It's just terrible. And it's like, that is all CG. I don't believe there was a single real horse in this movie. No, no, not at all. I mean, there's pictures you can see on IMDb. There's pictures of them just in a in a giant green screen room on green sawhorses or whatever. And I mean, you know, you look at stuff like Avengers Endgame. Mm-hmm. The vast majority of that movie was CG as well, but right. like, I feel like they accomplished something there. Yeah, for and sure. This was like, hey guys, we have all the CG at our fingertips. Like, what can yeah. we imagine to do with it? And it's totally. like, oh well, this movie takes place in an era where we didn't have like, you know, muscle cars and you know jet planes. So what can we mm-hmm. do? Uh, let's use horses like motorcycles, and then mm-hmm. later let's have like a horse and carriage scene where they literally it's like they pulled the e-brake on the carriage and they like turned it sideways and slid it into some people. Like it just, that does not work with physics. Like, yeah. Well, there's, I mean, there's plenty that doesn't work with physics in this movie, but this movie, I don't normally do this because I feel like I can just like watch and enjoy a movie and then put down my thoughts after the fact, whether it be in a review or like taking notes for this show. I'll like, sit down and I'll write down the things that I thought of while I was watching it. And then I'll like read on Wikipedia for some extra tidbits or something. This movie after like 20 minutes, the 
crazy, ridiculous nonsense was mm. flying at me so fast and furious. I had to take notes oh. actively as I was watching. This is the one. Oh, okay. Let's <laughs> because dig, let's dig right in. I was just like, I can't forget all these fucking crazy things in this movie. Like mm-hmm. there are some talking points that I cannot, cannot let slip my mind. Let me, let me ask you an initial question. Yes. Yeah. You, Ryan Miller. Uh huh. What are your thoughts of the idea of Abraham Lincoln, a vampire hunter? Like, what does that what does that do for you? Uh, let me refer you to one of my notes that I wrote mid movie <clears throat> that says, "I could like this if it weren't so quote unquote cool and extreme." Mm. If this movie was a little less over the top ridiculous mm-hmm. and took itself a little more seriously and was like a little more dramatic, had like a closer tone to something like the Raven instead of, I mean, the tone of this movie is like, I don't even know, like a, like a Kung Fu film or something. It's just fucking bananas. And if it, if it took itself a little more seriously, I think that's a concept that could be neat. Like a Lincoln fighting vampires, but less Less like fighting vampires, like Blade fights vampires, mm-hmm. and more like a horror film, maybe. I don't know. Once I saw this one particular note about this movie, it all made sense. Guy that directed this, directed Wanted. Yeah, I was like, Timur no, Bekmambetov. Yeah, that makes total sense, because it is like the period piece kind of same deal as Wanted. Yeah. Just like this guy, you know, comes from the USSR has made primarily like big budget um, or even low budget CG filled movies like wanted where it's like, I mean, wanted the movie is very different from the comic and like a, it doesn't have superheroes like the comic does, but then like there, one of the backbones of the movie wanted, and I haven't seen it since the theater, but like, I feel like the thing everyone remembers from that movie is uh, curving bullets. Oh, for sure. That That is the movie of Wanted. There's a lot of emphasis in the movie Wanted about the idea of, like, if you're a skilled enough like, gunsman, you can curve a bullet in midair. And it's like, that is a concept that was not in the comic at all. Mm-hmm. And it's ju- it feels like somebody was just like, okay, if we're going to take the superheroes out of Wanted, it has to be, like, cool. Like, what can be the cool thing? Like, mm-hmm. curving bullets and using CG to do, like, crazy slow-mo bullet scenes and stuff. And, like, it feels like that is Timur Bekmambetov's bread yeah. and butter. Yeah. He cares more. He cares less about what's the plot of my movie and more about where can I put the crazy fucking yeah. CG, like, camera zipping in and out of things sequences. Right. Where can I be cool? Yeah, and that's that. If you took that, if you took everything Timur Bekmambetov brought to Abe Lincoln Vampire Hunter out of the movie, I think I could like it. Yeah, but this guy's style is just like so extreme and over the top, and mm-hmm. and like I like stuff that's extreme and over the top, but I don't even know how to put it. But he does it in such like a weird douchey way where it's like the things that he thinks are cool, I think are fucking dumb. I was just going to say, which is a thing I say about movies a lot. And it's it's, when you think about it, it's like what is cool and cool is different to different people. Mm -hmm. Your my cool is different than Timor's cool, clearly. And that's that's the difference. It's like a it's a case by case thing of like. You know the, this this story beat, and what are we going to put here? And it's like the best thing you come up with is like a CGI horse race 
Yeah. You know, it's like there's, there's questionable choices there for sure. This guy is from Russia and it's like he, this movie, it, like his directorial style is like the movie director version of like the, the stereotype of like the Russian guys who are like mobsters and wear track suits. Mm-hmm. It's just take that aesthetic and turn it into a movie, but then make it a American alternate history about the president and like mm-hmm. slavery. Like, because yeah. all of the, uh, the vampires are um, Confederates. Like mm-hmm. it's, and it's, it's just weird to put that guy in charge of this movie. Yeah. There's this, so many questionable choices. It's just, it is so serious. It's far too serious. If it was yeah. like in the vein of Bubba Hotep, like that kind of goof factor makes more sense to me. I even think the movie could have taken itself seriously, but it's just like you cannot take yourself that seriously and have all the ridiculous, yeah, stupid action stuff that, you yeah, do in it. That is a good point. Like it has to be like you have to tone one thing down or the other. Like mm-hmm. this movie is like two extremes trying to work together and they just right. don't. Right. Like it, it needs to either needs to be like you leave out any bits of uh, his big talks or the trying to you know trying to be serious about the slavery bits and just you know have Abe Lincoln like you know with an ammo vest of you know stabby bits and his 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 axe and you know like you either go super over the top or you go like jokey goofy or you go serious like you said without putting fifty million dollars into CG. Yeah, that that's that's my thing. Is it's just like the movie is bipolar. Yeah, that's actually a good way of putting it. I don't know. I did not find it enjoyable to watch. It was just the kind of movie where the style and the pacing and mm-hmm. all the concepts I was rolling my eyes at it oh, constantly. Very, very eye roll heavy. And it has one of my my least favorite things when it comes to, I guess CG or just like monster characters, especially. It's mm-hmm. like why the vampires got to have giant mouths, Millsy. Yeah, exactly. Like, why does that have to be a thing? Like, they look like normal humans, but then when they attack somebody, instead of just, like, they open their mouths and reveal fangs, or, like, little fangs grow, Mm -hmm. it's like, in three seconds, their mouth gets real wide, and, like, their eyes turn black, and, like, Mm -hmm. their skin all of a sudden looks like it's diseased, it just, like, grows across their face. Mm -hmm. Like, why any of that? Just to be, quote-unquote, cool. The amount that again, yeah, and the amount of people that have to like sign off on those decisions and say that's a good idea, and again, to think that is what is cool is so yeah. wrong to me. Like, no, I put, agree. Just makeup and fangs sold, covered. That's why I say that you know it's it's like it's like a it, like you said it's a completely different kind of person's idea of what cool is, mm-hmm. and it is like what is really cool to one person is completely uncool to somebody else, and this movie is completely uncool to me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's just like gratingly stupid and annoying mm. and obnoxious. Yeah. I mean, the it, those things that like I just tick me off or it's, it's like the giant mouth thing, like just kind of corny, uncool, like fights on top of trains that would just never happen. Yeah. You know, like stuff like that just makes me crazy. And that's a thing that I feel like I've seen this in one or two other movies. Not that I can think of what they are off the top of my head. Like what I was saying before about they made this movie and they were like, oh, well, we don't have modern technology, but we want to have action scenes that feel like car chases or whatever. So we have to take old timey things like carriages and horses and trains 
and make them the kind of stand-ins for that modern stuff. Mm-hmm. And I hate that feeling in movies like this, where it's like they're trying to modernize old-timey stuff. With like that that train scene at the end, it's like a billion other scenes we've seen in movies before that I don't take issue with, but it's just like so preposterous because of the time period and like the old-timey train and everything and just like where the train cars are like flipping up over one another and they're jumping just in time to avoid falling off the flaming bridge. And I don't know, they're like balancing on these beams and shit. And it just, I don't know something. It's just the fucking streams crossed and Mm -hmm. total protonic reversal. It just doesn't work. It's like those things. Like when you hear, um, hear about like government projects and, Outside of movies, like you hear about government projects and like they get a certain budget and they have to use that whole budget. Otherwise, the next time they have a project, they won't get as much money. <laughs> it yeah. feels like here. It's like, you know, like, oh, uh, yeah, you, I could see you using $150 million for a tentpole Abraham Lincoln movie. And it's like, you know, we didn't spend an, it's just a, a train crash isn't enough. It has to be on top of a burning bridge giant burning bridge and just yeah. like the craziest crane trash cr- or train crash you've ever seen and <laughs> right it's just bad it's just excessive it's so excessive when it didn't need to be fight scenes on top of the train where it's like abe lincoln has this axe that's been coated in silver so that he can f- kill vampires mm-hmm. and which Silver, that's a thing for werewolves, right? Like, is silver versus vampires a thing that I'm just not aware of? Well, Because they play that heavy in this movie. Yeah. A gripe I have just overall with things is, like, it's all willy-nilly when it comes down to, oh, vampires can turn into mist. So it's like they turn into mist at every point. Like, yeah, let's throw silver in there. It's like, who knows how much of that is... I don't know silver as a thing, certainly for werewolves. Yeah, but so they have this scene where it's like this big action scene on top of the train, and it's like old man bearded Abraham Lincoln and his like his black buddy because he was like a freed slave or whatever, and they're facing off, and like as they're fighting, they're tossing the axe back and forth and taking turns hitting people with it, and it's like the camera's following the axe in slow Mm. motion as it like flies through the air between them, and it's speed ramping, and... It has to like be nunchuck-like moves with the axe, of course. And the axe also transforms into a gun and Mm. that shoots silver bullets, and uh, it's like the whole time the scene is happening, it looks hideous because most of the budget was probably already spent, and they're on top of a speeding train, uh, and it's but they didn't want to have to show like all the trees and stuff whizzing by in the background, so they're just like in a cloud of smoke the whole time, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's just ugly and it's, ugly it's just and poorly dark. conceived from the beginning. I don't know. Yeah, it just doesn't. It doesn't have to be so excessive. It doesn't. It's just not cool, man. <laughs> it's just not cool. It's not cool. They thought it was, but they were wrong. It's just overboard and like every sense. Yeah. And it's just too, too, the tone is all off. It's like everything was said. It's just like, it's a drag. It's, it's like hard to get through. It's too long. I mean. Yeah, just too, like, over serious. Yeah. But anyway, let me let me throw you some of my notes here. Oh, please. We'll, we'll, we'll tackle these one by one. Mm. Like we were just talking about with the silver. Like, I'm not aware of silver being a classic, like, vampire killing device. But, you know, this movie, they literally are just, like, throwing any vampire lore out the window that they don't want to deal with and then introducing other stuff just 
because of the convenience of the plot. So, like, there's never once mention of vampires can't go out in the daylight. Like, vampires are just in the sunlight all the time mm-hmm. in this movie, and it doesn't seem to matter, and it never comes up. There's one, like, throwaway thing I thought about, like, sun sun lotion or whatever. Really? I don't, I don't remember that, but... There's like, some... there's tons of scenes of vampires out in the daylight. You're telling yeah. me they're all wearing suntan lotion all the time? And did we even have suntan lotion back then? I think that's a that was a part of this, I want to say. I... I... I just watched this movie like three days ago. I don't have any recollection of suntan lotion, <laughs> but either way, just a weird thing. Like if, like it almost makes more sense just to never mention it than to have one throwaway line about suntan lotion just so they can have vampires in the day all the time. Yeah, totally. Other rules that they just invented for plot convenience that I've never heard of before: uh, vampires can't kill themselves or can't kill their own kind. So it's like if there is a person who is hunting vampires and wants to kill them, how do you stop them? You just bite them and turn them into a vampire because then no matter how much they hate you, they can't kill you, which they show this on screen by having the flashback of uh, Dominic Cooper's character getting bitten by a vampire. So now he's turned into one Mm -hmm. and then immediately trying to stab that vampire and kill him. But it's like as he gets close to him with the knife, there's like if there's like some invisible force field or something stopping him, like he's struggling to put the knife in, but he he just can't. And that's like a weird visualization that makes me wonder, is it like is it something biologically inside of you now that you're a vampire that like your body won't let you do it? Or is there some kind of weird force field? Like what is the logic there? It just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, it's all very convenient. It's just like the second you've been bitten by another vampire, you can't harm another vampire. And then it's like, okay, let's go with it. I am now a vampire and you are a vampire. I can't stab you, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, How about a gun? Can I aim a gun and pull the trigger or will my body stop me from pulling the trigger? Or can I pull the trigger just fine, but then the bullet will stop in midair in front of you? Like, what would happen in that situation? Could I accidentally kill you? Like accidentally bump into you while we're standing next to a cliff and then you fall off and die or would the force field stop me from bumping into you like it's just, <laughs> the, what it doesn't make any fucking sense there's no answer here mills because they didn't think that far they never explain it it's just a completely convenient plot device and i fucking hated it because it doesn't make any goddamn sense uh that was a big one for me when i saw that that was actually my first note that was when i was like i have to write this shit down because it is bullshit mm-hmm Okay, so Dominic Cooper plays a guy who is a vampire, and he hates the like king of the vampires, played by our buddy Rufus Sewell from uh, A Knight's Tale, mm. who mm-hmm. is just good at playing a bad guy. Yeah, for sure. Uh, he just has that face that you want to kick. But um, Dominic Cooper, as we just described, uh, now that he is a vampire, can't kill Rufus Sewell's character, so he's basically training like a series of human disciples in the art of killing vampires, which essentially in the training montage comes down to, I'm going to teach you how to twirl and acts like a baton in a marching band. Mm-hmm. Like they literally have a training sequence set to music with no dialogue where Dominic Cooper is teaching 
Abe Lincoln how to twirl an axe around his body meaninglessly. Like, that's the kind of thing that you see, like, Jackie Chan do in a fight scene just because it's kind of cool looking. Mm -hmm. And you take it for granted. Like, yeah, it's neat looking in the moment. But they took the time to show Dominic Cooper teaching Abe Lincoln how to spin an axe in his hand like it's cool. Like, what was the point of that? Right. And There wasn't one to be cool. On top of that, and that's just another thing where it's like, it's not cool. Like, don't do it. <laughs> like, if Abe Lincoln twirls an axe a couple of times in the movie, fine. But he's constantly, like, spinning it behind his back in between swings and stuff. And it's just dumb. I don't know. Just more stuff to show in slow motion that might look kind of neat. It's like the only thing he carries, which is, makes little sense, you know. Yeah. He doesn't carry a gun or, like, any not knives that. or anything. No. Just an axe. Yeah. Yeah. Billy, if it was me and you. We'd be head to dough in silver. Oh, yeah. I'd have every throwing object I could think of. He'd be like how Hellboy has all that shit on his belt, like little medallions and things for different, like, instances. Yeah. He'd have, like, you know, daggers inside of his coat I mean, and stuff. Get it. He'd be more like Blade. <laughs> yeah, totally. Going along with the uh, the training sequence. So there's a scene where it's it's just like training sequences in a ton of movies you've seen before. Dominic Cooper takes Abe Lincoln out into the woods and he's got his axe and he's like, uh, okay, like, who do you hate the most? And Abe Lincoln says like this one vampire. So Dominic Cooper's like, okay, now swing your axe at this tree and chop it down in one blow mm-hmm. and like use that anger. And so he tries a couple times and he's like, that's ridiculous. You can't chop a tree like this down in one blow. It's like over a foot in diameter. And then like he keeps taunting Abe Lincoln until he gets mad enough that he literally swings an axe and like the tree trunk explodes as he hits it with his axe. So it almost feels like how Luke Skywalker, he's like, doesn't know how to use a lightsaber at first, but he has the force inherent in him. So like he has the capability to be really good with it at some point after he's trained, Mm -hmm. but like Abe Lincoln is just a human being trained by a vampire to swing an axe at a tree. Yeah. What is this magical ability that he has where he can knock down an entire tree with one blow of right. an axe? Yeah, there's no like better way to swing an axe that you could fell a tree with one swipe. Which makes it feel like he's imparting some kind of like vampiric magic power to him or something, but it's not. Like he literally just gets mad enough that he's able to swing an axe through a tree, which doesn't make any fucking sense. Like there's no explanation for why he's able to do it. Because it looks cool, Mills. It's like he trained him how to do it in 30 seconds. And yeah, it it really felt like they were like, oh, we have this slow-mo camera. And if we blow up the tree, all the splinters in slow-mo will look really cool. And it's just, again, a case of like absolute excess over any kind of logic. And I fucking hate it. (laughs) The, uh, real quick, the speed ramping and slow-mo in this is out of control. Yeah. Off the goddamn chain. It's so bad. I mean, there's a couple other things here I've already mentioned. Um, There's a scene where, uh, what was his name? Speed? Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Joshua Speed, uh, Abe Lincoln's buddy, comes to his rescue, and they're, like, in this big house. And, uh, again, like, if this were a modern-day movie, the scene would be, Jimmy Speed runs away, gets in the car, and you think he's leaving. But then at a pivotal moment when Abe Lincoln needs help, he (laughs) crashes the car through the window and into the house and then pulls the e-brake and skids the car sideways into the villains. Yep. 
And in this, since there's no cars, he comes crashing through the giant picture window with a horse-drawn carriage. Now, my thing is, could you get, because horses have like autonomous thought, like they're not intelligent creatures necessarily, but they're not just going to run into a solid object because you whipped their reins. Could you actually get a horse to jump through glass like that, much less like four horses or whatever? Not not through like a stone building. That's for damn sure. That carriage would have exploded before it got, instead of blowing through the whole, the wall. One of the dumbest looking special effects I've ever seen in my life is when the camera like pulls back almost a bird's eye view and you watch the carriage skid sideways. It just like as your mm-hmm. eyes are seeing it, your brain is telling you this doesn't make sense. This is impossible because it's a fucking horse drawn carriage. It doesn't act like a car. But it looks cool. No, it doesn't. It, in this case, well, it yes. really doesn't. Of course not. But someone thought and plenty of people thought it did. This is yet another one of these movies that has the fucking overused line, there's a war coming. Like, how many fucking movies since the year 2000 have had that line? There's a war coming. Mm. It's just like a nitpicky thing that bugs me that I, I had to write down. Mm. You're firing on all cylinders. I love it. <laughs> the last one I'll mention is, so they introduce the idea that silver is bad for vampires in this movie. And, uh, you know, at this time, everybody had silverware. That's where the term comes from, because mm-hmm. it was actually made out of silver. And it's like, the humans are the Union soldiers, and vampires are in charge of the Confederate soldiers. And the vampires, like, want slavery still, so they're they're fighting on the Confederate side. And Abe Lincoln knows this. Like, nobody else seems to, but he's like, I know that all the Confederates are vampires. How can we possibly stop them? Because, like, our lead bullets don't hurt them. And it literally takes him, like, sitting at a dinner table and picking up a fork and looking at it to realize, oh, we got to use silver to kill them when Mm -hmm. his axe that he's been murdering vampires with his whole life is dipped in silver. It was such a stupid moment. Like, why would it take this guy who knows how to kill vampires, like, months or however long, years of this war to realize that they need to use silver to kill them. It was just such a over-dramatized sequence of like realization. That was totally just for the, the audience, you know? Yeah, when it happened, I think I literally said something out loud like, are you fucking kidding me? Because it took you that long to figure this out? Mm-hmm. Just, I didn't like this movie very much. Oh, no? <laughs> You're not anxiously awaiting a sequel? No, I just, you know, everything I thought this movie would be like based on the posters and the trailers, like obnoxious and stupid. It's worse than I ever thought it could be. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's just ob- obnoxious is a good way of putting it. Just too over the top. Yeah. Somehow too over the top and too serious. Like you said earlier, you nailed it when it's it's bipolar. Yeah. And again, bipolar. I could I could enjoy a movie like this if it was more fun and lighthearted and ridiculous and didn't take itself seriously because then I wouldn't be questioning all these lapses in logic because mm-hmm. the movie would just be ridiculous. Totally. Or if it took itself more seriously and was less ludicrous, I'd be fine with it then too. Like I yeah. can imagine like a more like toned down serious, like almost Hellboyish version of this movie. Mm-hmm. That I could enjoy, but yeah. as is, holy hell, it's just like yeah. the wrong tone and style for me. Yeah. And I'd yeah. like to think for most audiences, but. I would think so. 
I mean, this the last thing this movie needed was giant CG establishing shots of every like location you could think of from the time mm-hmm. with giant CG set pieces. It's just so just taking those out would be huge. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Movie had a budget of allegedly ninety nine point five million and only made one hundred and sixteen point five mm-hmm. in the box office, so it just mm-hmm. barely cleared its budget. And after advertising, probably didn't. Yeah, I'm sure. So, not. Uh, luckily, I don't think we have to worry about this getting a, a sequel anytime soon. Mm. You know, not that I necessarily want to have like a hate on for Timur Bekmambetov. It's been a long time since I watched Wanted. And I remember seeing two of his earlier movies, his Russian films, Night Watch and Day Watch, and thinking they were kind of neat. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're like fantasy, dark action adventure movies. But um, yeah, it's like he kind of broke through into American film because of Night Watch and Day Watch, made Wanted, which I think was relatively successful, and then made this movie, and then I don't think has directed an English language movie since. So. Mm-hmm. Based on this movie, I can understand. Ditto. Uh, Worth mentioning, just because we haven't, because I spent so much time ranting about the actual content of the movie, but Mm. Anthony Mackie is in this. He plays Mm -hmm. like one of Abe Lincoln's best friends. Mm -hmm. And uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead plays Mary Todd Lincoln. Yep. Uh, It also has Alan Tudyk, who was uncredited, oddly. Really? Yeah, he plays like random politician who's dating, who's he's engaged to Mary Todd when Abe Lincoln meets her in this. And uh, yeah, I was like, oh, is that Alan Tudyk? So I looked it up real fast on IMDb and I'm like scrolling through the cast. I'm like, is was it not him? Like, I don't see him here. He's all the way at the bottom of the cast list uncredited. I couldn't tell you why. Something odd there. Yeah. Uh, This film was filmed in 2D, but released in post-process 3D. Ooh. Uh, it was right in that, you know, sweet spot oh, yeah. time frame for those kind of movies. And I can just imagine like the splinters flying at the screen from mm-hmm. the tree and mm-hmm. like bullets and axes and smoke <laughs> flying in your yep. face. Big chunks of train flying off screen. Yeah. Tom Hardy, Eric Bana, Timothy Oliphant and Adrian Brody were all approached to play Abe Lincoln. Okay. Apparently Adrian Brody came close, but uh, they ended up going with Benjamin Walker, who I'd never heard of before. No, he looks the part. Yeah, but, when he's like wearing the full Abe Lincoln get up at the end with like the beard and all, he he looks like him. Mm-hmm. He was like for all intents and purposes, he was okay, but Yeah, I mean there was anything wrong with him. It's just the the fucking trash heap around him. <laughs> yeah. And uh the last tidbit I have about this one is that so apparently the two villains, uh Rufus Sewell's character Adam and his evil sister Vidoma Mm-hmm. Uh, not in the original story, in the original book. They were created for the movie because producers felt that an action sci-fi movie like this needed an arch nemesis for people to care. Wow. Huh. That is just the kind of thinking that ends up giving you a soulless piece of trash like this movie. <laughs> Tell them, Mills. So, I can't, I can't give a pass to this one. I just, this is like pretty close to the bottom of the fucking barrel for me is like just the kinds of cinema that I hate. <laughs> yeah, that is, uh, I mean, you kind of nailed it, covered a lot of ground here, <laughs> but yeah, it's just, this is where Bubba Hotep is a movie I'm happy to know is out there. Mm-hmm. This one, not so much. Sorry. This one I'm ready to forget. Yeah. Sorry, not sorry. There you go. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, want to talk about some posters? I do. So, Bubba Hotep. I don't really remember this poster, but then again, like I said, this movie didn't really have a theatrical run, so right. I'm mostly familiar with the original DVD box cover, which I used to own before I got the Shout Factory Blu-ray, mm-hmm. which was just like a bust shot of Elvis. But mm-hmm. I mean, this poster makes me smile mostly because of the copy on it, because it's Bruce Campbell as Elvis, Ozzy Davis as JFK. <laughs> it's you know the, the big crazy Bubba Hotep like stone letters. You know yeah. the legends. Now learn the truth. <laughs> like it's a yeah, super serious pretty... tagline, but. Yeah, like, I'd love to see somebody's face who doesn't know about this movie. Mm-hmm. And, like, when they see Ozzy Davis as JFK. Yeah, you're like, what the fuck? Like, what? <laughs> they like, dyed me this color. <laughs> right. He is fucking funny. Because yeah. he plays it so straight. Like, oh, yeah. Bruce Campbell is obviously hamming it up. But, man, Ozzy Davis plays it yeah. so straight. Yeah. A, I got a bag of sand in there. <laughs> he's just a, he's a gem, that Ozzy Davis. Uh, he was He's good. Unfortunately, passed away a few years ago, I think. The ridiculousness of this movie and poster, especially now seeing this, I'd be like, man, I want to see that. Because like, what the hell? This is a what the hell poster. The only thing I don't love is the color scheme. I mean, it kind of matches with the logo, which I am familiar with, but just that like kind of red sepia. It's just like, I feel like a movie this kind of silly could pop a little more. Mm -hmm. But This uh, needs like a, a bright color in there to go along with this stone work yeah for all intents and purposes it's a fine poster uh it's it's like you could have taken it really ridiculous or you could play it like kind of serious with tongue and cheek and that's kind of what they Mm -hmm. did yeah because just at a glance without reading the text and knowing what it's about it does look like it's a serious film yeah i think that spend uh if we put in an hour or two you know we could come up with a better poster but for what it is i do enjoy it seen far worse Mm-hmm. Of course. Indeed. Uh the Raven. This this poster goes out of its way to give John Cusack Raven wings. <laughs> and I think it is a detriment because it's just it's so everything is so small. It's just photoshopped to to hell, you know. Yeah, I mean I don't mind the color scheme. The no, the film is very dark. And the red pops, but mm-hmm. uh, actually, I like the logo quite a bit with the raven making up the A. And oh the yeah, v. the A and the V. That is cool. That's quite good, but yeah, I just kind of lose it in this the imagery. Yeah, it's just like yes, we know that it's about Edgar Allan Poe, and he wrote a story called The Raven, but right, this right. doesn't tell you anything about the plot of the movie yeah, because, like, yeah. you know, a movie called The Raven about Edgar Allan Poe that could be like a biopic of his life or any number of things. Mm-hmm. This doesn't really give you an impression of no. what the movie's about. I mean, there's like kind of half hidden in the wings is like Alice Eve, like screaming mm-hmm. and uh, like one or two other characters just kind of chilling. But it's something we've talked about before. It's not super indicative of the actual content no. of the film. Yeah. It's just, and it's just like a cheap Photoshop job. Yeah. Like someone, like an art director told an intern and they pumped this out in the afternoon. Yeah. Definitely we're harsh, we're like, harsh yeah. tonight on Triple Threat. This <laughs> is the old back at this point. 35 episodes in. Mm-hmm. This is just we how deserve, we are, man. Yeah, we deserve it. Tell it like it is. Mm-hmm. And then Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. The thing about this poster is like, I know <laughs> that the movie is about Abraham Lincoln. Just that little sigh. <laughs> 
Well, this was my feeling back when I saw the film, when I when the movie was coming out, and I saw this poster at the theater as well. Mm-hmm. It's basically a person. You can't tell it's Abe Lincoln because his face is in shadow, his hands in front of his face. Mm-hmm. Uh, Abe Lincoln or a person sitting in a chair holding an axe with like a big hat on, and it's like, yes, Abraham Lincoln wore a big hat, but like. To look at this poster, I don't see Abe Lincoln. Like, I don't get Abe Lincoln out of it. Yeah, no one would. It's called Abe Lincoln Vampire Hunter, and vampires typically dress kind of gothic and old-timey. Like, I would be just as ready to believe that was a vampire sitting there. Like, that could mm-hmm. be the villain of the movie, because he's wearing dark colors. He's kind of gothic-looking. He's out in the middle of the woods, and he's got an axe. Like, Yeah. Why is this chair out in the middle of the woods, Mills? I, I don't know. Like, does Abe Lincoln, this could be just something I don't know from history, but is there any kind of correlation between Abe Lincoln and an axe? Like chopping down trees or something. There, There's something there. Well, like with George Washington, didn't he like chop down a cherry tree or some shit? Like, that's like a little tidbit <laughs> of knowledge that I feel like I know about George Washington. Like... I would have said that. I don't know. I guess I would have said one that one. It's like a half. It's like a half fact that like I'm aware yeah. exists. But one of them old timey presidents liked chopping things. Abe Lincoln. I don't know if there's any correlation between him and axes. So even the fact that this character is sitting here holding an axe, like when you've seen the movie, you know, like yes, his weapon of choice is an axe. Mm-hmm. But looking at the poster, I don't know. It just it it never read as Abe Lincoln to me. Like I always looked at this and thought like, oh, that's a vampire. But. That's that's my take. I don't know. What do you think? It's got that stupid skull face on the moon. Oh, yeah. Got to have those. Yeah. I think this, I mean, this is not good. Every point you made makes total sense. Like, nothing in here. I mean, yes, we know Abraham Lincoln wears a top hat. But if you took the title out of this, under no circumstances would someone know this was Abe Lincoln. I don't yeah. care what anyone says. They would know. They'd say old-timey Victorian horror movie. Okay. Yeah. I would, you know, I would almost believe that if Adrian Brody or Tom Hardy or any of those other people I mentioned was playing the role, I would 100% believe that they would have his face, like, plastered on the the poster. But since, I already forgot his name, uh, Benjamin Walker, whoever the fuck that is, Mm -hmm. since he played the title role in the movie, I'm sure they were like, well, his face isn't going to draw anybody because no one knows who he is, so just don't show his face, and I don't know, it just... Yeah, it's not a great poster. I don't know how else, how else to put it. I mean, M- Millsy again. If we're coming up with the poster, just picture like the Daniel Day Lewis, Abraham Lincoln movie where it's like a profile shot. Mm-hmm. Do that with this dude, and just have the the axe over his shoulder, maybe with the shil- the silver shining, maybe some blood on it. Sold yeah. Abraham Lincoln vampire all day. It'd certainly be better than this because I just don't get Abe Lincoln from this at all. No, no one would. Anyone that says they would is lying. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not super over the moon about any of these posters, mm-hmm. but... Uh, Break it down for the people. I mean, I'd probably give I'd probably give three scarabs to Bubba Hotep. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. I guess I would give uh, uh, two pet raccoons to the raven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, one... Hussy sore on the end of Elvis's pecker to Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Oh, damn. The ultimate disrespect. <laughs> yeah. Just as a piece of art, like the Abraham Lincoln one isn't bad, but it's just so... It just... I don't know. It doesn't tell me anything about the movie. It does not work. 
Yeah, it does not work as an advertising tool for that film. Not even a little. I'm sorry. Sorry, not sorry. There is an alternate poster when I was looking for the poster for us to, you know, talk about um, where it is like full body shot of the actor. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like at a canted angle. So he's kind of diagonal. But I don't know about you. This one where he's sitting is 100% the one I remember seeing in the theater at the time. Yeah, I don't even know which one you're talking about. Yeah, I mean. You can you can find it online. It was like mm-hmm. most of the ones I saw were the one where he's seated, and then a couple of other ones he was standing. But yeah, there you go. I'm with it. By borrow burn time. It's gonna be easy. Yeah, I mean the, I, this is one of the easiest. We, we couldn't have. I've ever we made. coun't have telegraphed this one any harder. <laughs> yeah, just in general, uh, for years I have enjoyed Bubba Hotep. It's not like one of the best movies ever made or anything, but I think for like what they set out to achieve versus what they actually did achieve very close. Like this didn't need to be like a huge budget blockbuster or anything. Like mm-hmm. they had minor means to make the film and they made something that's, you know, quite good and enjoyable with that, with some good performances and a funny concept and a good consistent tone throughout. So true to form, I have bought this movie twice, once on DVD and once on special edition Blu-ray from Shout Factory. So I'm buying Bubba Hotep. Uh, The Raven, as I said, not a movie that I'm going to sing the praises of, but if I ever find myself watching it again, I'm sure I'll have the same reaction that I did the first two times of, wow, this is actually pretty good. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to borrow that one. Preach. And then, I mean, do I need to say more about Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter? Put your sunblock on. I wish that the vampires in that movie were affected more by the sun because I just want to <laughs> torture them on the slow ride on a space shuttle to the sun. Nice. Well played. Millsy, I agree completely. I mean I would I would buy Bubba Hotel. Just for the just for the lines of dialogue from Bruce Campbell as Elvis. It's worth it. Cause he just he's there they come fast and they're hilarious. Yeah, I feel like back in the early 2000s when the movie came out would have been the prime time to have like a Bruce Campbell as Elvis soundboard. Mm-hmm. Like mm. one of those shitty looking like Angel yeah, Fire yeah. websites where oh, you just totally. click the links. and Yeah, for sure. Because there's some good lines in this. Um, yeah, The Raven, not to say I would. I don't actually see that as a borrow or if it's, if it's on TV, would I watch it or sit through it again? I don't know, but I still enjoyed myself enough to give it that middle spot and seen Abraham Lincoln Vampire twice now, and that is realistically two times too many. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a movie I 100% never thought I would make the time to see, but then I mm-hmm. came up with a, a theme for my podcast. Yeah. And you caused this. Yeah, here we are. Mm-hmm. So. Well. There we go, Mills. <laughs> what more is there to say? Mm-hmm. It's that time again to choose what we're going to be watching next episode. It is. Next episode being the uh, final episode of Triple Threat Theater Season 3. Season finale. Can't believe it's already almost over. How many episodes have we come up with at this point? Right now we have available to us 224 themes. 224. And the Triple Threat Random Number Generator gives us... 48, Millsy. 48. Relatively early. What do we got? Oh. 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 (laughs) 
Oh boy. Next episode, we're going to be doing the theme Future Shock. Oh, man. We're going to need a break after this season finale. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's going to be a bit of contention here. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I forgot this was an episode, so I'm excited. Yeah. This is one you came up with, so. Perfect. I'm ready. Yeah. I'm a fan of some of these. <laughs> Damn you. <laughs> Oh boy, here we go. Yeah, this could, one of these could turn into a pretty interesting discussion. The other two, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know. But the the one. Mm. There ain't going to be any matching up on this one. (laughs) (laughs) Probably not. Probably not. (laughs) But uh, it'll be a good time anyway. Yeah, of course. We were just talking about how, uh, at least I was talking about how I needed to revisit one of these recently. Oh, yeah. No, we talked about that. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Future Shock. Here we go. For episode 36 of Triple Threat. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, for episode 35 of Triple Threat Theater, my name is Ryan Miller. And I'm Joe Daxberger. Thanks for watching. That was one of the finest movies I've ever seen. They ought to make them all like that. None of this nonsense about social matters. People don't go to the movies to see how miserable the world is. They go there to eat popcorn and be happy. Be happy, 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 happy.